I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Case File 26 of Microscope, the show that examines some of the world's biggest mysteries. This episode we're focusing on the stories around history's perhaps most celebrated playwright, as we look into the rumours of unpublished sequels by William Shakespeare. I phoned up Bill Bowles, a librarian with a keen eye for spotting historical treasures. Bill claims that earlier this year he dug up a book comprising a folio of never-before-seen Shakespeare plays, all of them specific follow-ups to his original stories. We talk about how this book was uncovered, and also discuss the dramatic reaction of the William Shakespeare estate, which set out to try and destroy all evidence of the newly found works. But the recording starts, for the purposes of continuity later in the episode, as he keeps referencing it, with Bill Bulbs talking about for how long he has been a librarian. Yeah, I've been a librarian now for a very long time. Librarian? A librarian? Yeah. Right. What, what, uh, how are you describing me? Librarian. Yeah, I'm a librarian. Uh, big difference in the library world. Library? Yes, I, I work in a library and I am a librarian. Um, what are you? Well, I, I nominally um, run a podcast about mysteries. Now, how long have you been in the business then? I, I guess you still distribute books for people to sort of read? Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of uh, libraries now are used for... Uh, people like to use them uh, for computers. People like to use, uh, especially in my branch, the toilets. And uh, a couple of lads just like to come in walk around and throw the books on the floor. Um, But there are a few nice families that come in, uh, sit on the uh, fluorescent inflatable sofas and uh, read books. Sure. And how do you combat these kids running in and just throwing your books on the floor? Well, the first time, uh, these two lads, about 16, they'd run in. They'd usually go to the adult section of the library. Do they not need a library card to get in? Uh, They do. They do have library cards. Yeah, they signed up when they were four years old at school. They're now, uh, like I said, teenagers. They're naughty. They go over to the adult pornographic erotic section. You've got an erotic section? Yes, yes. We've got six aisles of that. Don't want to delve into it too deep. But are these what are these reference books? Are they fiction books? Well, I mean, it's kind of a library within a library. So um, you know, there are non-fiction. There is, of course, a reference. Uh, but there's also graphic novels. Uh, there's a cooking book. Uh, What's an erotic cooking book entail? Well, um, I have. It's been a while since I've looked at it. Right. But there's a lot of jelly, trifle, and uh, a 400-page chapter on sausages and. <laughs> 
cream buns. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, let's not delve too much into the specifics of that. Now, I want to get on to the sort of the main topic of the mystery. Now, you've been archiving and collecting a lot of uh, old books, I think it's fair to say, for many years. Uh, I think it's fair to say that you came across, how would you describe it, Shakespeare's sequels? The collection of Shakespeare's works that wasn't published at the time? Well, that is how I would describe it. That is how I would describe it. You're aware that uh, Richard III was found in a car park in Leicester. The actual Richard III. Yes, the actual Richard III, not... Um, the script. Or the script. Oh, or the script. I, uh, I was quite intoxicated by that story. It was a few years ago now. And I thought, well, I wonder what's under my car park. Uh, it's not really a car park. It's a, it's a space where I park my car. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it's a car park, but, you know, only one car can fit in the park mm. if you get my trip. Yeah. So I thought, well, do you know what? What's under mine? So you, d- you dug up the car parking space that you work at. Where did, where did you leave your car when that was happening? Well, no, I did uh, make the mistake of digging whilst the car was still in the car park because right. I could only get to work uh, driving my car. Sure. And, you know, I can only park the car in the car park. So it was a bit tricky digging the hole whilst the car was still on top of it. How did you dig it? With, like, with a digger or with spades? Uh, yeah, I, I hired a digger, but I just dug around where the wheels of the car was. You, you dug between the wheels? Between, yeah, sorry, not where the wheels were, of course. That would have been, no. uh, that would have been chaotic. <laughs> that would have been chaotic. Yes. You dug between the wheels? I did, I did. And, um, about six, well, I don't know what it was, about 600 feet under, I found what could only be described as a book. Mm. Now, I'm a librarian. Yeah. I thought, here we go, Busman's Holiday. You know what I mean? Dig a massive hole under your own car and you find a book. (laughs) I know. I thought, this is the last thing I need. So I kept on digging. I thought, fuck that. Can't be asked with that. I've got enough of them. Do you like books? No. So I I went... uh, (laughs) Right, yeah. So you kept kept digging. (laughs) I kept digging. I kept going. And, uh, you know, I'm about 800 feet now, you know. I've got a little lamp on my forehead and... uh, Still in the digger? No, no, no. The digger doesn't work that deep. Right. So I had to use uh, brute strength. And what I'm you down do, sorry, there. I, don't, I don't want to get too much of the mechanics of how you're digging this tunnel, but where do you put the excess debris? This material you're digging up from underneath you, how do you get it back up the top of the tunnel? Uh, well, uh, remember, the car is still above me. Mm. So what I did was I gutted the car and built a chassis uh, that would kind of, if you turned the steering wheel... And one of the lads uh, that I kind of got involved pressed on the accelerator. It kind of brought up the uh, the mud. Right. I think what you're saying is you, you can turn your car into like a little lift. I turned my car into a little lift, which uh, yeah. I would then put all the mud in. And then uh, somebody, you know, usually one of these lads. Uh, Who are these lads? Uh, they were just the group that smoked outside the library. But they liked to get involved when they saw me digging, especially when I was down there for, uh, you know, quite a few days. Mm. You found this book that you're not a big fan of. You keep digging. What else do you find? Uh, I found a uh, a Roman jar, um, uh, an Egyptian mummy, and a car. Another car? (laughs) Another car. Which is handy given you've gutted your own car. Well, yeah, I did think to myself, well, that's going to be... uh, I'll I'll keep that. Did you speculate as to the reasons why there would be a car at what sounds like a lower depth than a Roman vase and an Egyptian mummy? It was a car that didn't run on petrol or electric. I don't know if you're aware of the Flintstones, but they had a car. So uh, it looks a bit like that. 
Right, I see. It was just a couple of stone columns connected by a sort of wooden structure that you could sort of move with your own legs. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it, yeah. Uh, right. Concrete wheels, uh, which must have been, you know, tough on the thighs. I don't think they ever showed Fred's thighs, but uh, I'm sure they were bulging because I don't know if you've ever tried to uh, drag a concrete wheel with your feet, uh, but times it by four and then throw a family in that car. Uh, no wonder he needed a stake. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I, uh, I thought I'll leave the car there. Maybe I'll have that later. Anyway, I was going back up one day and I passed this book and you just you just you just left it there in the shaft yeah 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 yeah. i thought i don't i don't want nothing to do with that it was gold gold leaf uh it was a beautiful object but like i said i've got enough books but what caught your eye just the the design the the shape of this book well like i said it was gold leaf it was shining at me it was winking at me it was big as well this thing's about 900 pages i'd say yeah i picked it up and i thought well you know i'll take this back up with me i'll give it a clean see what's going on yeah as you so rightly pointed out at the beginning what i was holding in my hands was well i mean it could change civilization as we know it well that's a pretty big claim it is the sequels to all of william shakespeare's work written by william s hakespeare I uh, I remember thinking this could be worth a hell of a lot of money. Did you try and get it valued? Well, funny you should ask that. I went down to Sotheby's. What Sotheby's? The the, the auction house. The auction house, correct. Uh, and I went to uh, I knocked on the door and I said, right, I'm not going to come in. You're going to come out. You're going to come up to my car and you're going to look in the car window and you're going to see what's on the back seat. Does your car work if you've gutted the whole thing to make it into a a lifting device to remove buckets of mud? This is a few months later where I've uh, dragged the car that I found in the mud. So this is a... uh, I drive the Flintstone car The Stone Age car. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, the guy, the auctioneer, he walked over to my car and he went, Wow, you don't see many of these around. (laughs) No. And I went, well, poke your head through the window. You're not going to see many of those around. Quite easy to poke his head through the window, given it's, I guess, just a bamboo frame. He pokes his head through the window, and I said, what do you think that is? He went, it's a book. I said, well done, Einstein. And he didn't like that. He said, you wasted my time. I said, who wrote that? I showed him the spine. William S. Hakespeare. He says to me, "Uh, okay, you've got my interest. I said, these are the sequels to all of William Shakespeare's original work. Name a play, and I can tell you exactly... um, what he, what he, what the other one was. So basically, every play that he was sort of famous for, he'd written a sequel and like not released them. He'd never released them. This was the only one he'd, he'd done. Now the gentleman at Sotheby's, then I guess he's flicking through this uh, this tome, this tome of Shakespeare's sequels. Can you just give us a synopsis of what some of these sequels were? How did like um, I don't know, what, uh, Romeo and Juliet? What did, what was the second one of that? Well, that was the first one I turned to because that is uh, that was the play I uh, studied as a young man and one that has kept me entertained for many years through its various guises as film and, of course, the continuing theatre that Shakespeare inspires. I I turned to Romeo and Juliet. What was it? What was it called? It was called Romeo and Juliet. It was then underlined twice, and then underneath it said in capital letters. Again. Yeah. Now, I, uh, I I remember thinking, I don't like that title, Romeo and Juliet again, but it's quite extraordinary. As you are aware, Romeo and Juliet both uh, kill each other at the end of uh, Romeo and Juliet. 
Well, do they kill each other? They they commit suicide independently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. But um, Romeo and Juliet again is one of the most despicable pieces of literature I've ever read, and I'm a librarian. Despicable because of what? Its content or the, the way it transforms the story and how it tries to continue it? Well, a bit of both. I mean, basically, I'll give you a quick synopsis of what happens. Imagine a theatre, right? You know, imagine the globe. Yeah. You're sat there, black, complete black. Then, bang, two spotlights on Romeo and Juliet doing press-ups. <laughs> yeah. You're like, wow, they seem okay. First half hour is them doing press-ups talking about how they killed each other so you're not quite sure if it's you know is it a dream who's dreaming it are they alive is it real second act it is real they both run the gym together and again it's not a gym like you know it it's a gym in the 1500s so you've got uh you know there's not a lot of equipment to be honest there is a treadmill but uh it doesn't move and uh you know they had weights they did have weights back then but again it's more like sacks of sand and all that and um, they, just, they just ran a shed full of sacks of sand. Sacks of sand. Uh, again, a treadmill that doesn't move. What is a treadmill that doesn't move? Just a, an area. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's a stra- it's a strap of leather uh, that looks like uh, the size of I don't know your average uh, prayer mat. I don't know. You know that kind of size. Uh, uh, and you basically run on it. <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> you just lie. You just lay on the floor and run on it. This, this is the gym that Romeo and Juliet run in the sequel to Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Then the third act is they get a customer and then it becomes a love triangle. Uh, Juliet falls in love with a bloke called Clive. 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 He's, he's very muscly. Uh, he starts using the gym. He can lift heavier weights than Romeo. Right, sacks of sand. Uh, yeah, he can just he keeps saying, add more sand, add more sand. Romeo's like, well, get bigger sacks. Act four. He arrives with big sacks. Yeah, got a big. He's got a big. Act five. Sorry, act five. Where's act four gone? Listen to me, man. Yeah. Christ. Act one. The bloke. They're doing. Uh, they're doing push-ups. They're doing push-ups. Yeah. Act two. They're running the gym. You're like, wow, amazing. Act three. This bloke turns up going, can I use the gym? And he's muscly. And Juliet's yeah. like, he's lovely. He's doing the weights, and he goes, these are these are these are crap weights. We need more sand and bigger sacks. Act four. He turns up with big sacks. Um, act five, uh, Romeo tops himself. He can't handle it. He does it again. And yeah. uh, Juliet falls in love with Clive, and uh, Clive uses uh, Romeo's body as a weight. Quite different from the themes <laughs> of the first one. So Juliet's actually quite happily in love with this new bloke. Oh, my God. There's a scene, again, in Act... Uh, was it Act 4? <laughs> right. Uh, scene two. It's beautifully written. Clive and Juliet share an incredible moment when she holds the door open for Clive to drag his sack through the door and they yeah. brush past each other. And, and sorry, so what's the guy from Sotheby's thinking when he's reading this out loud? <laughs> he can't believe it. Can he not? He can't believe what he's reading. He's not the only one. And I tell him there's more. There's more, is there? Oh, I tell him, you know, there's more. The Richard the Fourth. Mad, absolutely mad. What else? The Five Gentlemen of Verona. That's, um, <laughs> yeah. well, I can't go into that on a family podcast. Sure. But, um, it, it's, one of, um, it's one of Shakespeare's blue plays. <laughs> Was he known for those? Comedies, tragedies, and his blue, his blue plays? <laughs> yeah. Hold up. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It was what? What was it about? It's all there. It's all there. It's not five gentlemen of Verona find a penny. It's not that. It's just in a room... Five gentlemen of Verona. So although uh, some of the stage directions are, excuse my French, bloody eye-popping, yeah. <laughs> they are gentlemen about it. Right. Uh, so All's well that ends well, or is it? Now that is a brilliant uh, sequel. Yeah. You know, I bet anyone seeing All's well that ends well uh, thought that would be the end of that one. But no. I'm struggling a little bit here with, with my knowledge of actual Shakespeare plays. No, I don't. Well, I haven't read that one either. But, right. But, well, there are a couple of more here. There is one that I don't want to go into again. Mm. Uh, again, I imagine it was uh, part of his blue phase. Yeah, but, blue um, phase. The Taming of the Shrew, colon, colon. Right. I'm not entirely sure what it must be his blue period, and also uh, Midsummer Night's Wet Dream and yep. uh, The Merry Wives of Windsor. I mean, basically, the reason why I think this was never published, it is absolute filth. Yeah, I appreciate if, if the story's about Shakespeare shoving a shrew up his ass. there's quite a good reason why these <laughs> well, books are I not don't published. Like, I think that's... I actually think that's disgusting, what you've said. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you could put it the way you put it, but it's more about the shrew... Sh- Struggle. It's more about how naughty the shrew is. And the only way he could be tamed is... Let's not perhaps delve into it. Well, that is a line from the play, actually. I don't know if you've... Um... <laughs> is it indeed? So what is this guy from Sotheby's saying, then, when he's reading all this filth? The man from Sotheby's eyes were shining. I don't know if eyes can smile. You do hear about that, people saying, doesn't he have smiley eyes? He was smiling through his eyes. He knew he was holding something worth, well, he said it was priceless, but you're looking at maybe 60, 70, 80 million pounds. Absolutely. But I understand, is this right that the estate, the Shakespeare estate, were keen for this book to not be published? I guess for obvious reasons. They tried to burn it, is what they did. I remember I uh, I left the um, I left the book in the car, and as soon as I realised I'd left it in the car, I uh, ran out and there was a man from uh, the William Shakespeare estate. Weirdly, everyone who works for the William Shakespeare estate looks like William Shakespeare. They're all bald with uh, little hair running around the sides <laughs> right. uh, yeah. and big, big, uh, like, pantaloon. Um, oh, even know. the clothes are the, of the like, Shakespearean origin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I don't understand it. It's weird, you know. I said to him, I went, oh, you're from the William Shakespeare estate? And he was like, no, I'm not. 
and uh, I went, well, you're dressed like him. That's when a chase ensued. He grabbed the book from the car and uh, he jumped on the bus. And so I had to jump in the car and try and chase him down because yes. I knew that thing was worth a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, up to £80 million. And so you're in this, Christ, stone car chasing mm. down a bus. It doesn't sound to me like a particularly fast chase. Well, there was a lot of traffic, so we were both stationary for quite some time. Mm. Uh, I remember the guy from Sotheby's went, why don't you just get out of your car and run to the bus? It stopped. But I said... Um, well, that's a good idea, actually. So I ran over to the bus, and the bus driver wouldn't let me on unless I had some change. And I said, I ain't got no change. So he went, well, you can't come on the bus. Anyway, I look over, and William Shakespeare sat reading the book. It's not, it's, it's not William Shakespeare, is it? He's his great-great-grandson or whatever. Yeah, I know it's not him. Of course it's not him. The bloke's dead, but it looks like William Shakespeare. He right. might as well be. I don't know who this guy is. He sat at the back, flicking through it, and his eyes light up. They're gleaming. I can tell his eyes are gleaming. I wouldn't put it past anyone to read the book and not enjoy it. I shout down the bus, I need that (laughs) book. You you need that book. That's your your response. Anyway, he said no, and he got his lighter out, and he went, you want it back, do you? I said, do not dare like that thing. Yeah. That is worth 60, 70, 80 million pounds. Right. Now, like I said to you at the top, the cover was made out of gold leaf. Takes a while to burn. You can't burn it with your normal Zippo lighter. Shakespeare's grandson or whatever can't light this book. Shakespeare's great, 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 great grandson is trying to light this thing uh, on fire. Now, I, I say to the bus driver, uh, you're going to let me on now? That kid's setting it on fire, brother. So I ran down to the, and then a fight ensued. Mm. I punched him, he punched me. I need him, he need me. In the absolute chaos, the bloke from Sotheby's had sneaked on the bus and stolen the book. And ran off. Yeah, and he ran off. Gone. Completely vanished in the thin air. And so it was up to me and Shakespeare to find the bloke from Sotheby's. Now, bear in mind, I'm running around, uh, I, I just wear a normal navy blue suit. He's dressed as William Shakespeare, so he's getting a few eyes. And uh, we barge into Sotheby's. The guy had uh, very quickly uh, put it on auction. So as soon as he ran into the auction house, he'd stuck it on. People, what, were the, just there buying stuff speculatively? He ran in and he went, right, uh, it says in the programme lot number, uh, we've got 32 lots today, but quick one, lot number 33, (laughs) bang, 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 the complete works of William Shakespeare's sequels, can I start the bidding at £60 million? Now, now, a lot of people in that room were surprised to hear about this. I'm sure they are. Because it was actually a thimble uh, auction that they were there for, and the maximum they were spending on them were about... Uh, 500, 600 pounds. So there wasn't anyone there who could actually who afford the, it. Had the cash to buy this massive book. The guy went, 60 million? Nothing. Yeah. Now, he was looking around. He was an absolute idiot, this guy. He hadn't put a reserve on it. Absolute right, fault. I see, right. So it's not coming down. <laughs> he, had to lower, he had to lower the starting price more and more. So he went, uh, 40 million? No. Yeah. Uh, he went, 10 million? No. No, everyone's looking at him like, no. Yeah, he's starting to sweat a little bit now. Yeah, oh, he was starting to sweat, this boy. He went, uh, million? No, nobody wanted it. It got to uh, 20 pounds. Right. Now, he was he was really sweating now. He was like, sure. he can't believe it. He's a shell of a man. Everyone was heckling him. They were going, well... Got any more thimbles? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got any more thimbles? 
So, um, I, uh, I, I looked at Shakespeare and I went, how much have you got? And he went, uh, I don't have any pockets. I don't carry any money. No pockets right. in my uh, pantaloons. And he went, have you got any money? And I went, I didn't have any change for the bus. I ain't got anything. Mm. So we went up to this old woman. I went, how's your day been? She went, well, it's been all right. I bought three thimbles for £7.50. Yeah. And I went, have you got change from a tenner off that? She went, I've got two fifty. I said, let's club together and buy back the book. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this guy was kicking himself that he hadn't put a reserve on it and also made an auction so quickly. <laughs> yeah. uh, he went three pound. We went two. He went, meet me halfway. Sold two pound fifty for the complete works of William S. Shakespeare. The sequels are sold to uh, you three at the back. So one final sort of guess, quick question then is, how do you divvy up custody of a book between three people? Well, uh, after we started celebrating in the van, uh, we then started fighting again because he wanted it. And uh, aren't you you celebrating because you thought it was worth lots of money? (laughs) Actually, it's just been valued at £2.50. Well, no, that's because the that's because the auctioneer had been an absolute idiot and put it on too quickly in front of the wrong right. people. The, the news was spreading like wildfire that this thing existed. Anyway, me and Shakespeare are fighting. Yeah. He says he wants the book. I say you can't have it. We start punching each other. Anyway, the auctioneer he walks out and you know he's got a bottle of whiskey. He's thinking about ending it all. He sees us fighting and he right. sees the book. Oh, he, what, the... he grabs it again, does he? <laughs> he grabs the book. And he he puts a reserve on it for right. £60 million. Pounds, yeah. And he runs in and he goes, right, uh, I'm surely aware the that people you're... in the auction house are just the dregs of the Fimble auctions. Yes, well, this was the problem. He went, right, right um, th- who would stop me on £30 million? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, nothing. Everyone's like, not this again. Yeah, I think a lot, and, lot um, of people had left by this point anyway. So he thought, right, what am I going to do? So he went, well, I'm just going to keep on going up. So uh, he pretended there was someone at the other end of the phone and he was like, uh, 30 million? 35 yeah. million, thank you very much, sir. He was just making up phone bids. Yeah, in the room at 40 million. 45 million, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. You know, anyway. And this went on till the book was, uh, it was about 18 billion pounds. <laughs> yeah, but he, was, but he was making up that conversation. He was talking to himself. Yeah, how was he going to get that money? Well, he just hoped that it would go so high... Like that someone else would, someone else would come in. Yeah, but uh, that's not how auctions work. I don't know how this guy got a job there, to be honest. But um, no, it gets he gets to eighteen billion pounds. <laughs> well, he kept on going so high, and then again, uh, social media. Uh, everyone was talking about this, and they went, "You've got to get down to the auction house. There is something going on that is absolutely insane." A telephone bid. Who's <laughs> just bidding against himself? Well, no one knew this. They just thought he was talking to someone at the other end of the phone. Yeah, but he, surely there has to be two people to make an auction increase in value. Yes, but it was him. The auctioneer was going for it. Anyway, news news cameras turned up, uh, the world press camped outside, and they went, we can't believe what we're seeing in here. Whoever is on the other end of that phone seems to have a bottomless <laughs> source of money. If they get the value of this book up to eighteen billion pounds, <laughs> they were like, "How the fuck could an auctioneer uh, go for the?" You know, there were a lot of questions. Also, what's the salary like at this auction house? Because this guy's got eighteen billion. Anyway, it got to eighteen and a half billion. Yeah. And uh, the auctioneer went, "Are you sure, sir?" Right. Are you sure? He then put the phone down. Mm-hmm. And he went, the book is sold for 18 and a half billion pounds. Yeah. 
to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> he really, he really doesn't know what he was doing. Now, if I was him, I would have said I'd sold it to the bloke on the phone. But he was an absolute idiot, this guy. He should have gone sold to the man on the phone, hung up, yep. and then... <laughs> Just stalled it out. Someone should have gone, did you get his number? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, who was that guy? Oh, I never asked his name. They should have done that. But he was an absolute idiot, this guy. Yep. He went sold. 18 and a half billion pounds. William Shakespeare's sequels to me. And then everyone cheered. Everyone went, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Absolutely insane. But would, wouldn't, wouldn't as you found it, and arguably it's shape, the grandson of Shakespeare's books, wouldn't you get that money? Yeah, I was like, I, said, I looked at uh, the bloke, <laughs> I looked at the bloke dressed as Shakespeare, and I went to him, um, hey, brother, we're going to be billionaires. And he went, yeah, but there's just one problem. I said, yeah, he went, that auctioneer, he ain't got 18 billion pounds. And I looked over at the auctioneer and I thought, oh, yeah. At the end, they went, right, how are you going to pay, pal? Cash or cheque or, you know, bank transfer, 18 billion's a lot of money. He went, I don't have it. Arrest me. So, um, you know, the book was then taken away and now it sits in the uh, British Museum. Oh, so it is, it is, it is accessible then to, for people to go and read? Yes, but you have to be over 18 mm. because... Um, as I have uh, mentioned, it covers extensively Shakespeare's blue period. Yes. Well, Bill Bulbs, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to my story. Um, you know, a lot to get off my chest there. A wild, wild ride. But, uh, you know, hey, get out there. Dig. You never know what you might find. Well, that's all we've got time for. This episode was researched by John Kearns and edited by Matt Ewins. Sound effects were added by Ben Williams and the theme tune is by Nikki Green. Follow our Twitter account at Microscope Fun for details of various things and hopefully news of live gigs we'll be doing in the new year, pandemic permitting. Next episode, I'll be interviewing a traffic warden who tried to give a parking ticket to a time machine. But until then, remain vigilant and catch you next time on Microscope. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.